All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, returning for the fourth time, we have Kevin Eastman, which is mind-boggling to even say. If you don't know, Kevin Eastman is co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and in my humble opinion, one of the keystone and one of the most inspirational DIY figures in the arts. Kevin started the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with his friend Peter Laird, and they based it on Frank Miller and Jack Kirby comics, comics they were influenced by, and just on the fact that they wanted to make comics. This wasn't a plan to do anything successful other than uh, express themselves in a way they were inspired by. It took off like wildfire. That's, that's the DIY ethos in the most pure fashion. Doing something you love with the friends you love and inspired by the work that motivates you. So with that much passion behind it, something good's going to come from it. So anyway, Kevin Eastman's on the show, and he's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite artists, and one of my—I uh, grew up on the Ninja Turtles. If, uh, if you guys didn't catch, last week we talked to Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo as well as many, many other voices you will recognize from cartoons and advertisements. And that was a deep dive into the world of voiceovers. And if, you, if you're into, if you're in the Ninja Turtles, I recommend checking out that episode as well. Um, this was recorded probably, uh, I don't even remember, this was recorded in the summer right after Kevin released the comic with Marvel, the Electra White, Black, and Blood issue. So since then, there's been a lot going on. Um, the Last Ronin's got a new series called The Lost Years that's coming out. Um, it should be relatively soon. Also, I want to put out uh, spoilers for The Last Ronin, so if you have yet to read it, make sure you do that. There's a really cool hardback out now with the whole series. The IDW series is taking off with the Armageddon game. I believe the third issue is out. And um, last thing I want to plug that Kevin has going on at this moment is the KevinEastmanStudios.com sale. Right now for the holidays, there's a 20% off holiday sale. Use the code word Cowabunga off any order. Um, and if you're not familiar with Kevin Eastman Studios, um, it's just, they have these really cool turtle auctions where he finds like old memorabilia that he's held on to and signs it, and, or you can get original uh, art pieces, original pages. It's a really cool chance to get a behind-the-scenes view of the art process and uh, help the artist himself. Continuing the DIY tradition and owning some sick art pieces. Anywho, be on the lookout. Kevin's always got a lot coming out. Lastly, a personal update. If you're new to this podcast, I play in a band called C-Level, letter C-Level. We are a funk-punk reggae rock group out of Cleveland, Ohio. We take acoustic 12-string guitars and run them through Marshall Amps. So if any of that sounds appealing, check us out on all the streaming platforms or c-level44.com. We just put out a single called DIYs and Open Mics with our good friends Liamara in the Dreamcatchers. And I'm really proud of how it, how it came out. And um, it's the whole DIY ethos that Kevin's a beacon light for. So, uh... It's very uh, special to be able to kind of put that right here, or just talk about it right here before this interview. Um, one other thing that, if you're a fan of The Last Ronin, you might find interesting is uh, Townsend's opinion on Michelangelo being The Last Ronin. So, uh, we talk about that in the episode before this one. Um, 
Yeah, and if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like Kevin and sharing their insights with you. So without further ado, here we go, Kevin Eastman, part four. Hey, it's Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Hey. Hey, hey. Uh, it's going good, thanks. How are you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Been nice to talk to you again. <laughs> Likewise. Um, yes, thanks. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, I was, sorry, the two minutes late, it was the... Uh, um, had a little trouble dialing in for some reason. It wasn't taking the code. But anyway, yeah, nice to be here, and uh, hope all is well. Hope all is well with you. All's going. I had the same troubles too. Um, but yeah, no, it's getting to be the end of the year. Kids are losing their mind. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Yep. I'm yep. sure you know. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no, it's a. Yeah, we're the same. We've got one that's uh, doing driving lessons, and you oh, know, yeah, exactly. It's heading towards heading towards the. Uh, um, the end of the year, and, and they're and they're 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 done. So it's really a you know it's, it's a push to keep everybody focused, as, a, as you well you well know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's weird that as soon as it's like almost over, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. anywho, uh, I wanted to pick up where we left off. So uh, for 15 minutes, uh, you were a bass player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for 15 minutes i was a bass player and uh um no it's funny it was uh when i was up at my dad's recently even uh um up he still lives up in maine and and big storage area and you know over the years you know stuff has sort of um ended up in you know his collection he's a big vinyl collector and so like um, yeah. all my original albums um were there and it was just funny that he said he said you should go through those he said you know if there's anything you, you want to keep or stay for shane or this and that because i've got not that he was throwing him out or anything he just had been watching since you saw him so we're just going through all those old albums you know it's like all the the stuff that you know like uh you'd go through and, and find like easy um songs like um anything by acdc and stuff like that that you could learn all the riffs to or uh, yeah. um <laughs> you know all the all, all the bass parts or all the stuff that you know in our repertoire that we try to do so um, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, as I, as we mentioned before, it was, it was, it was, it was great to do. I really loved it, but it was, um, you know, um, trying to be good at either drawing or bass player. Um, you couldn't do both. So you had to, so I just had to choose one to focus on and That was where, uh, um, the base, the base got put down and I, I stuck with the drawing. So. Was it, well, you know, it's, it's what, how old were you when you're, when you're picking at the base? Um, through through high school, yeah, through high school, it's because uh, it was sort of, um, yeah, it was something that uh, um, um, music was was you know we had friends that were musicians and and uh, uh, my mom's um, longtime um, uh, boyfriend at the time he was in a he was in a country rock band um, and so growing up before then before high school it's like he was. Um, um, you know, always playing weekends and there was you know a lot of times i'd have the band would practice at the house and stuff like that and we had a big old farmhouse that we lived in and uh <clears throat> so um so it was it was i had exposure to it and uh enjoyed the process of being a fan of music and so uh but earnestly earnestly got into it and, and applied myself to it and in, in, uh, you know freshman sophomore year of high school so by a junior i think we had we had a group of guys. We had a we had quote unquote had a band, but which meant that we practiced as much as we could get away with between school and work and all that stuff um, to try to to try to make the go of it. But it was just uh, 
yeah, it was it was uh, it was challenging. <laughs> it it's 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 weird. well, growing up around it, it looks you know it it's welcoming and seems easy, which is really cool. And like it's one of those things like you at that age, yep. you got to kind of like, am I gonna focus in on this or? And that's a hard decision to make, even now with the choose to focus on, you know. Um, so what were you guys yep. picking up ACDC stuff, or you were you, or were you hitting like the country stuff? It was all of the above. It was mm-hmm. sort of, you know, for you know, certainly going into, um, you know, it's like uh, um, we were all learning. So it was just, and, and it was like we had, like we had a um, uh, the guy that would do lead guitar, rhythm and lead guitar. His name was Carl Reynolds. He was a couple of years older than us, um, and so he was he was the most serious and the most accomplished musician. So he would sort of, you know, so when we would play, he would sort of like I would follow him sort of to try to stay in tune or stay in rhythm and stuff and then uh we had a drummer named bill dantner who was uh who was quite good he was uh very serious um he was he was big into like um pink floyd and and um uh, more um i just thought we call it acid i call it acid rock only for lack of a better term right now but he was sort of interested in that but carl was sort of more um you know pop um country rock kind of you know Based stuff and that's that stuff that uh, was also easier to play so it kind of reminded me of like you know when you watch the beatles you know anthology or documentary it's like yeah. they would take a bus across town just to, to meet a guy that knew how to play a g flat or g you know play a different chord um and so we were all learning uh and so it was you know, simplicity was was key and uh um uh and stuff that we could sort of try to learn how to keep a beat and, and stay generally in tune and, uh, and, uh, um, and have a, you know, a, a good time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But you know, that's such a key thing to learn from yeah. it. One, it's, it's hard for a group of people to do it on the spot or work as a unit, but like those lessons of taking something yeah. simple and building off that, is that something you found yourself applying when you like focused more in on art? Uh, de- certainly, definitely for um, uh, the kind of uh, art that I wanted to do, which was comic books, because it really is, uh, and that's something we were aware of um, from the earliest days when you, know, you read you read comics, and, and uh, that it was a, a team effort. Certainly for um, um, you know a lot of the bigger companies, which is mainly you know, you know Marvel or DC or Charles Comics or, or those kind of things, is that. It was you'd have a, a writer, uh, an editor, a penciler, an inker, a colorist. So you'd have a whole team um, to to produce a, a you know a 24 page plus comic. Uh, and you, you you know the reality is you actually needed that um, to do monthly comics because it's so much work uh, to do them. Um, uh, and so that was that was sort of the team aspect was something that um, was very aware of. That. So when Peter and I met and started working together on stuff. It was great because we both wrote and we both drew. And so it was just having an extra, you know, um, hand to, to, to do all the chores. Cause you know, our stories were 40 pages. They were big stories and they were detailed and, and it took a lot of like, I mean, I did the, you know, they were black and white, so we didn't have a colors, but I did the original, le- I was a, the original letterer. And so we were the writers, the pencilers, the anchors, the letterers, you know the publishers the secretary the you know we did every <laughs> yeah. all aspects of it so it was really uh you know uh, we were aware of the team aspect and it was great to as the company grew and 
and the, uh, um, um, we were able to bring in, you know, a, a letterer, and, and then eventually when they went to color, the colors. And so, uh, but it was great to have a bit more of a team to help because um, it is. It's 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 at the end of the day. It's you know, it's butts in a seat and uh, long periods at the drawing board, and and uh, having more hands to get the job done made it um, more enjoyable, and less tedious. But I think it's one. It's important to know all those spots, and then when you bring that person in. You know exactly how to inform them what how to add to it. Like that's cool that you guys got to learn all those positions to better inform it. Um, I, I read that Richard Corbin informed your early um, comic writing before um, TMNT. Can you elaborate on how his style and like influenced your writing? Definitely, it was um, um, you know if if I would say um, you know Jack Kirby being the first big influence um, um, around the same time that I, I had discovered you know a, another huge influence which was uh, in mainstream comics which is uh, Frank Miller um, for storytelling style and pacing and and, and and that stuff as a mainstream comic I then um, d- discovered um, self-published comics. Uh, underground comics, uh, they were called at the time, which was guys like Richard Corbin that were doing, you know, their own stories, which was, you know, stuff that had more adult themes, you know, um, you know, language and nudity and, and, but still strongly based in, um, you know, adventure, past, present, and future, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of, um, you know, like, um, um, Outer Limits or Night Gallery or, or Twilight Zone or those kinds of things. Um, and what I liked about Corbin is Corbin would do um, kind of like what Jack Kirby would do with a lot of different kinds of characters. And, 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 and uh, Corbin would often do short stories. So his stories would be part of anthologies like uh, uh, Slow Death or um, Twisted Tales and things like that. So he'd have an eight pager or a 10 pager, or, you know, the shorter ones. And I really, dug that certainly in my earliest years because um you know again be, being a single artist taking on a a huge comic project was just very daunting uh, but you could come up with a idea that you could do in four pages and start it and complete it in a in a period of time before it just became you know you know i'll never finish it kind of stuff so i wrote a lot all my early stuff was um inspired by corbin stories so it was short stories mm complete stories with different characters and different themes and different ideas in each one to sort of, you know, you get a splinter of an idea, you, you can ex- feed it, explore it and, 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 and do it and then, you know, move on, which was great. That's super cool. Is that like, like a, did that inspire kind of Electra um, one shot you just did with Marvel where it's kind of like that cool poem moving through? It, it, that was in part for sure. Um, you know, I think what's been great about those those black, white, and blood series that they've done so many of now at this point, um, which was you know the Wolverine ones and and Deadpool and Harley Quinn and, and stuff. I love you know they think um, sometimes that you know even as a fan of some of those characters. Um, to become invested in an ongoing series of, you know, six, eight or 10 issues or even longer can seem also daunting. So with an anthology, it's a great way to jump in and, and, um, and, 
explore character ideas in small bites and, and just sort of get in and get out. And, and same for so many working artists that don't want to commit to a six issue series, but they'd love to do an eight page or 10 page story like Electra. It's really appealing to them because they can agree to it, do it in between other stuff. Um, so for Freddie and I, um, having, you know, Marvel invited us to it and, and, and that was the basis. Um, so we said, well, what kind of story would be great? And we, Freddie and I sort of bantered back and forth, what kind of story I liked. And I had just recently read, a um, a, um, um, an article where it talked about JFK's, um, one of his favorite poems it was a World War One um, poem by, um, um, Alan, I forget his last name, it's Sebring, Seabird, um, which was called, I have a reservoir with death. So it was a mm-hmm. poem written by in world during world war one. And I loved the poem. And I just sort of mentioned to Freddie, I said, this really suits this kind of story, um, as a, as a framework and we can build a, a story of the three different electors, the, the white one, the resurrected one, the, the black elector, then the ultimate, uh, which is the original red one into this inner battle where they're fighting each other throughout the story. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately they all know they have a reservoir with depth. And so, um, that was the sort of the inspiration and the basis. And we just built the story around it. And it was great to be able to do it because Freddie's doing Power Rangers, Godzilla, um, crossover series right now. You know, we, I was finishing last Ronin and as well as working on the ongoing series with Tom. So it was just, you know, there's no way we could have done any more than that great little, you know, 10 pager and, and had a blast doing it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I've noticed some of the, some of those kind of poetic moves, moves through like a turtles, turtles issues. I'm losing my words today. Turtles issues. Um, and like, it's yeah. really, it's like a adding a visual to a poem, like line by line. And that's super cool. And there's no other medium. I think that can really do that. Um, one other thing I kind of wanted to bring up along like a poetic, uh, uh, um, expression is with the end of Ronin, which congratulations on one the Marvel the Marvel issue and and finishing Ronin, um, the ending was incredible Thank and it was you. emotional and it was like it, it's hard to end a series and like that I think was just perfect. But the at the very end when you or maybe not the very end but when they crack open Splinter's book and it says no peace but Keneo, like after flipping through all the issues and seeing the word no peace, that's such a beautiful cap to the story when did that like that bit of the story come to you was that always in your and peter's uh original script no it's it well it was definitely it was um it evolved out of the the creation of the entire story because it was uh um we knew that the um, um i had the idea that i wanted after donatello and splinter died and michelangelo had went had gone to japan to get them that he you know because i'd referenced splinter's journal a number of times um over the years of different different comics but a little here a little there but we had never really brought it to, to light and it wasn't part of the original idea that pete and i had but we always sort of i imagine splinter being kind of a bruce lee character and that he had written this book when he was um when he was uh, still with it younger, he was, he called the, the art of Jeet Kune Do, which is sort of his philosophy on martial arts and training and life and, and stuff. And so I wanted to do this journal of splinters being something similar. And so then Michelangelo would follow that journal as a training mechanism in the path and it would keep him in touch with his father, his father's teachings to, to help him grieve and, and all that. But, um, 
um, it's uh, the idea of the you know the no piece n o piece to the k n o w piece is Tom's, and I loved it because it was he said because we had built around this journal. I said, well, the journal is going to be this, and this is what he's going to pass on to Casey Marie at the end. And he said, well, you know, it'd be the interesting is splinter out of his frustration towards the end when they they always wanted to resolve this thing so that they could have peace but it would just seem never ending so he just in his frustration kind of wrote practically in blood if you will um or the symbolic imagery of blood um no peace like we'll never have peace no peace that's never going to happen um but as michelangelo's journey as studying that and his father and um uh and what he would adopt to it is like um whether it's peace or no peace you personally need to know peace what it's like because that's that's the driving force to achieve it is to know it um mm. to, to reach for it to strive for it to, to reach it and so that was tom he said i think we should do when we first show it um have casey marie first see it where she says it says no peace and Michelangelo kind of grabs it away from her and says, you know, it means I still have, you know, she wants to know what it means. And he says, it means I still have work to do. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of stuck with him. And then his final message to her was, you know, look, this is, this is what Splinter can teach you in this journal, but I've added this part that, you know, the K and the W to the no. And this is my message to you is, you know, um, no peace. And that's, that's the, the key to, combining both those worlds into the training um, to achieve uh, a sense of peace um, with yourself and, and the world. And uh, you know, if, you, if you know peace, then that, you know, it will happen. Yeah. That's yeah. So, so it was definitely, so that's a, the best part of like, oh, thank you. No, and, and again, that's what's so great about working with Tom and Tom and I um, really work well together because one, he's, he's brilliant and I love him. And, uh, um, but we, we sort of um, share the same brain sometimes where it's sort of like, you know, this, this kind of idea, the minute he, he said it, I go, Oh my God, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and that's so spot on. And that's, well, that's why I like working with them and why we like working with each other. It is uh, a great relationship. That's yeah. That was profound. Like I went back through and you keep seeing the no piece. I was like, Oh, that's such a good, like everything about the ending was, very well resolved and it's really hard to do with a you know a lot of comics just kind of keep going and like that's kind of the nature of the of the medium but like to find a good ending is it's it's hard to end a song it's hard (laughs) hard to end a book and i think you guys knocked it out of the park with this one and i also uh really like the uh flank a frank miller influence with uh the dark knight with the the mud fight you know what i mean oh yeah but you know Thank you. No, and that was that was something that um, was in my mind from the very beginning, which is I, there was just such a great moment, um, defining moment of what Miller was trying to do with that story and defining the character, um, Batman's character in that story. But and so from the beginning, where when he enters, where he enters the city from the outside, he sort of comes through the mud into the city, what to be, you know, to what New York has become. And so I just wanted the final battle to be sort of an homage to that that Miller-esque sequence where, you know, he's taking this character that's Hiroto, who's really messed up the city, his city, their city, the turtle city, and he takes them outside back into the mud and said, this is sort of, 
this is this is what you deserve. And uh, um, so it was great to pay respects to the the mastery of Frank Miller, and, and, and it worked great as a storytelling element um, for the story. Yeah, definitely. No, it was full circle all around. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, taking time to chat with me. I super appreciate it. And I also super appreciate you uh, no, not pleasant. hanging up on me again. <laughs> So uh, no, no, it's, you know we love, you know it's 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 my pleasure. No, I love you know Courtney is great about uh, organizing you know the the press days and events so we can sort of keep in touch and reach out and talk to you know friends and fans and you know the the because we you know for a while there it was um, the only way to reach them and and now it's still great um, we can reach more people this way but it's nice to also celebrate that we're back out um, on the road again for. Uh, um, doing conventions and things to get to get to get back out there and see the fans in person um, is, is, is exciting but it's always a it's always great to chat with you and uh, i'm sure we'll do it again and it's always a pleasure well looking forward to it kevin thank you so much you have a wonderful the rest of the day and uh right, cowabunga thank you <laughs> that cowabunga dude <laughs> cowabunga. <laughs> <Thanks>. later <laughs> Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.